We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. And we're back. Welcome to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. I am one of your hosts, Ann Baldwin. And I am your other host, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore. And we are fresh, fresh, fresh off a of vacation. We are. But not really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a guest coming up, but first, are you good to tell, you went to vacation in Florida. I did. And you get to tell a story, and then I went on vacation to Texas, and I can tell a story. Okay. All right, you go first. You want me to, sure? Yes. Okay, so um, we were in our my favorite town, New Smyrna Beach. Love it, love it. I want to live there someday. Visit mom, who's there. Brought my son and his best friend along with the husband. And the boys had a great time because they can drive and, you know, do their thing. Wait it's, a minute, drive? Yeah, my son's driving. He, Nico's driving. Oh, is, I didn't know that. I thought he just got his permit. Oh, no, he's driving. Oh, my gosh. And so he was with his friend and they could drive on the beach. And okay. Lots of pretty girls and et cetera there. So it's all good. But my mother, as we know, the saga, uh-huh. all right, that she's doing really well and things are great and all of that until, so the garage door goes up and I walk on the right side of the car, the passenger side, to see the entire side of the car smashed. And so I was upset when I saw that. And that's right, when you got there on vacation? As soon as I walked in, I saw that. Okay, and that's so your mother's car. My mom's car. And she's how old? 86. Okay, you can't assume that everybody listens yes, every week. Right. we got to share But we're, little- we're, we're on our fourth side view mirror, okay. which... Um, my mom keeps saying that every elderly person in Florida knocks it off. Yeah. Although when I drive, I don't see one mirror on every car. So it's concerning. So I go in and, um, mom, what happened to your car? I don't know. Okay. But then eventually it was, she, when she was pulling in the drive, in the garage, she didn't, um, focus correctly and smash the car. So basically that really sealed the deal that mom is coming up on July 22nd and needs to go into assisted living in a beautiful place so she can be taken care of because it's just too dangerous and it's too scary. Does she know that? She knows. It's so hard. How did it all happen? How did, you know, you wonder how your parents. I don't know. It's, it's just role reversal at its best is what it is. You I know. know. I just want her to be safe and happy and closer. But yet for the most part, you had a good vacation. That's good. It was good. Good. So I went down to um, Texas to see my daughter, my granddaughter, my granddaughter, who's seven. We hung out the whole time. It was so much fun. So I rented a black rental car, and within 15 minutes, it had white polka dots. Seriously, every half inch of the car, like an artist did it from the birds. You're kidding. No, it was hilarious. So I'm driving around in a polka dot black car um, the whole time, 
people are looking at me like, what the heck happened to you? And I don't know. So that was kind of funny. So we had, and she got to say the S word a couple times because that's what was on it, bird stuff, right? So anyway, we went to uh, Galveston, which is a real... Galveston, oh, Galveston. Who sings it? Glenn Campbell. That's right. So um, not my favorite place, but my niece was in a dance competition down there. So we got to see that and I got to see my sister. And so we had a good time, except for we had to sleep. They had a suite. So we slept. It was a crappy hotel, which I was shocked. But there's a fold out couch, just a small twin fold out couch. And literally the springs were popping through the thing. So we had three pillows. Don't you know, my granddaughter grabbed two pillows and put one down flat where her body goes and then the other one for her head she goes what do you think i, I don't want to feel the springs That's, so oh my she God. was very smart so we had a good time so i'm glad you're back major life decisions but life goes on as joel olstein would say all is good all is well i'd listened to one of his podcasts last night and that was his theme really yeah e- even if you've got a bad ni- diagnosis all is well I listened to that thing. My brother said, oh, this is spot on. You got to listen to this. And at the end of it, I'm going, are you kidding me? All is not well. (laughs) Anyway, but all is well with our next guest, Christine. Yes, Yes, we're so excited. Yes, I I met Christine briefly at your um, annual conference, at your annual gala. Yeah, she was at both events. Christine, welcome. Both events, because she is such a great success story. She is. And we're going to talk about... um, you know, kind of what happened. And that's really what this program, The Connection, is about, is talking about different issues that people face in life. And Christine... This is inspiring. It is inspiring. So, Christine, thanks for agreeing to be here and and tell our listeners and us your story. Oh, well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Probably about 18 years ago, um, I was out, you know, just hanging out with friends, having a good time, and um, partying as... 21 year olds will do and um somebody introduced me to heroin and um it was a life-changing event that took me through the last uh 18 years of struggle and strife and recovery and um backsliding and picking myself back up and moving forward and continuing with my life so Heroin was your drug of choice, and we've told the story before, I think I have, when I was in um, rehab, and one of the folks in the rehab told the story about he went to the dealer, and he the first time he was ever going to do heroin, and he said to the dealer, how long is this going to last because I need to be home for dinner? And the dealer said, for the rest of your life. Is that true? Oh, it's definitely true. Um, one time. It's the first time I tried it, I puked violently for 10 hours straight and I woke up the next morning and I just wanted more really yes yeah um I don't even remember ever thinking after that that I didn't want it that it was a mistake um I felt like coming home like this big ah moment um bright lights and that like feeling of peace and serenity you get that you only get the first time. And then you chase that for years and years and years and years. And um, I just was in love with it from the first time. It was horrible. It was horrible and I loved it. I couldn't understand it. Isn't that interesting? And Lisa, you know, as, as president and CEO of The Connection, you see a lot of stories, you know, like Christine's where yes. 
it's that one time, Mm -hmm. you know, and here she was, what, 25 years old the first time that you tried it. And this really wasn't, didn't sound like this was in your behavioral kind of pattern. It was just a, something happened. Oh, no, it was actually the party that we were attending was um, one of our friends was uh, graduating from high school and she was going on to the Air Force. And so this was a bunch of, you know, Air Force kids, Army brats, um, you know, local local kids that just graduated from high school and like older brothers and sisters that hung out with us had brought them there to a party and and an older person that was there um, used and basically introduced us all to it. Wow. So then what happened? Oh, wow. Well, you were, you were working, you were um, on the right path prior to that? Yes. Yes. I sold cars at the time. Um, I worked for a a small little dealership. Um, Well, a majority of the people in my area that were in the same business as me like to, to have a good time, like to party, um, a lot of them used cocaine, drank, so it was more acceptable. You know, we would all go out to the bar after work and hang out, you know, have a few shots, have some drinks, do some lines, you know, go home for the night. Everybody came in with a hangover and it was funny. Um, but then more and more people I knew started using heavier drugs. Um, a, a large majority of the people that I went to high school with, uh, I, I've run across in recovery. Everybody was out. Everybody was having a good time. You know, we all had plenty of money. We all had nice things. We thought it was okay. Well, that only lasted for about a year. And then the nice things start to go away and you start to sell things and, you know, you start to do the things you said you'd never do. So what does a habit like that cost a day? When I first started, I was only sniffing it. So that lasted for about, I'd say, six months or so before I graduated to IV drug use. And once I did that, it probably was $1,000 or more a day. Wow. Yeah. $1,000 a day. And it's mind-blowing when I think about it now. Then you don't really think about it because it's just always a constant rush to try to get what you're trying to get. You never sit down and put a monetary value on it. But once you get older and you sit down and you add it all up, it, it's a pretty um, amazing amount. So how do you maintain that? How do you how do you finance $1,000 a day? What do you do? Well, in the beginning, um, I was with my kid's father and he was a trust fund baby and he pretty much had unlimited funds. But I mean, even... Even that goes so far. So eventually, once his family knew that we were using and that's what we were using the money for, the money tapered down. So it starts from you're, you get up and go to work every day. You pick up your stuff before you go to work. You make sure you have it for the day um, to then you're calling out once a week, then maybe twice a week. Then maybe you're shoplifting or you're borrowing money from people. You're selling things. And then the progression just really goes downhill till you have no options left. And it's either, you know, commit crimes or prostitution. So what did you do? Well, for me, it was prostitution. Um, I was a horrible thief. <laughs> I'd like to say I was too honest to be a thief. I, I just could never get away with it. I couldn't steal a candy bar and not get caught. My face would give me away every time. But I was good with people. 
and I was personable and I was the new girl out there in this crowd of people that were using. So everybody had somebody they wanted to introduce me to. Oh, I know this guy. He'd love to meet you. Things like that. There's there's a whole underbelly of society that most people don't realize exist. And it's mm-hmm. just this group of people who network together um, through their addiction. And, you know, there's that guy that can get you this stuff or that girl that can get you that stuff or this person knows somebody who knows somebody. It's it's quite like something you'd see on TV. Most people don't believe it really exists. But it's, it's, like, it's like a business. Is that it here is. in Connecticut? A, yes. Where? Yes. Well, that was in, I had ended up moving to Willimantic, which at that time was known as the heroin capital of New England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had done a big, um, a big sweep in the early 2000s called Free Willy. And that was about the time yep. when I was there. Really? Yeah. Did wow. they ever talk to you or film you? or? Um, they never filmed me, but several of my friends were actually on 2020 when they did some filming. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. amazing. So you're, you mentioned you had children? Yes, I have four children. How old are your kids? Or how old were your kids back then? Um, they were young back then. Um, they were three... Five, six, and eight. What happened to them? They all went with my mother. My mother, um, my mother stepped up and ended up um, kind of sensing something was wrong. I had never really said to her that I was doing drugs. Um, she kind of sensed something was wrong and and intervened and took them. So we, you know, we see um, with a lot of the women that we have in our programs, that's the reason why we opened women's programs at The Connection was because um, women were losing their children. And once they, you know, and there are so many barriers for women to even get help, the lack of transportation, childcare, et cetera. Um, and that's why we opened our women's program so we could bring uh, women in who could work on getting custody back of their children um, so that, you know, mom could, could be there. Um, this story is also familiar, um, you know, with so many hundreds and thousands of women that we see um, over the past uh, almost 30 years. So um, I, I do want to say, though, that, you know, sharing a story Uh, when someone comes on our show and shares a personal story, I just want to say that it takes a lot of courage to be able to talk about the road that you traveled and where you are now. And um, I know that there are listeners right now that are hearing Christine's story who can understand um, where Christine was, but also some of you who know if you're going through this right now, my hope is that you'll um, get inspired by Christine's story and that you'll contact the connection. Um, you'll contact us so that we can help you um, to get on the right path to work with you and your children if you need that help. And the way to do that would be to contact contact us at theconnectioninc.org. Again, theconnectioninc.org. And Christine, from working the streets, is that a derogatory term or is that what you prostitution basically yes okay so did that seem to earn you enough money to feed your habit in the beginning it did um but the more you use the larger your habit gets the more desperate you get um and you know you always end up turning to other means 
you know, petty crimes or whatnot. It's been 18 years since I first tried heroin, and I've done probably about 15 years of that in prison. Wow. Yeah. So let's get to that part of the story. Um, What landed you behind bars? Well, in the beginning, it was little things, um, you know, possession of drug paraphernalia, larceny six, prostitution. um, And then I had an incident um, where I got into a fight with a drug dealer. So I had caught an assault charge and... um, they had just started drug court in Willimannock at that point. So they had this drug court and they had all these sober houses in town and they had these big plans to save everybody. We weren't going to incarcerate them. We were going to use drug court. So what they would do is they would agree to let you out of jail if you went to a program or a sober house. Um, But then they would give you an exorbitant suspended sentence with long terms of probation at minimum of like five years at a time now most addicts can't do probation (laughs) you know it's it's hard enough to show up for life never mind show up once a week and have somebody tell you to pee in a cup and do what you want them to do so for me um I hadn't relapsed yet but I was struggling with probation after that drug court because they wanted to monitor um, everything that I was doing, even though I was doing the right thing and working. So your your first instinct is just to buck up against the system. So I, I was clean for a year and did the drug court, and I lived in a sober house, and I had gotten my life pretty much back on track. That was in 2006. And um, I finished drug court October 31st, 2006, and I relapsed that day. Wow. Because I thought I was going to celebrate because I did so well. So I maintained still, you know, going to work and everything at that point. But um, the probation was just too much mentally, I think. I wasn't prepared for, for somebody telling me what to do, mm-hmm. you know, every second of the day. Um, so I ended up going on the run from the probation for a couple of months and dipping and dodging. And that just led to you know, more destructive behavior using, um, I had at that point introduced, um, cocaine into the mix. So I was shooting cocaine and heroin, which is a pretty harrowing experience. It, it alters your mental state to the point where you really don't know what's going on. Mm. So how did you get from being incarcerated? How did you come in contact with the connection in their programs? Well, I went back to prison in January of 2007. Um, I had gotten a robbery charge. Um, I had went to a gentleman's house for the night um, to spend the night with him, um, clearly for money. And um, halfway through the night, the gentleman decided that he wasn't going to pay me. Got offended by that, I guess you would say. after I had already provided him services and I ended up taking um, a large sum of cash that the gentleman had in his closet. Um, That's got to be an awkward situation for him to call in a robbery after he's just mm-hmm. had somebody there servicing him, if you will. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And, and And it was a large sum of money that he was, you know, 
tucking away from the government. So I was pretty shocked that he wanted to report that it was that it, that he had been robbed. But um, but it was one of those times where I had been up for like seven days straight with no sleep, you know, fueled by drugs. Um, it was a bad decision. I had asked to people to just help me get the money out of the apartment because I knew where it was hidden. And it turned into an ugly scene where they ended up trying to rob me in turn. Mm. And um, I ended up getting hurt as well um, during this whole escapade, you know, uh, dragged, kicked, you know, thrown down. I ended up out in the snow with with the gentleman's sweatsuit on, no, no shoes in January in the middle of town just not knowing where I was and you know saying well what the hell am I going to do now because I I I knew that I had all this time suspended on this probation if they caught me and I knew that I it was the end of the line for me I knew that if the court saw me one more time that they weren't going to let me go but I mean I was just at that point ready to give up so well so I ended up you know going on on the run for that for about three months and my addiction got to its very worst so I checked myself into a program got clean and then I turned myself in so after I got out of jail I went into a halfway house went did the sober house program Um, I ended up home with my family and um, a couple years after that I had a fall and um, fell and snapped my neck and ended up on painkillers and I had relapsed. Mm. And through relapsing, they have what's called a timeout program. So they put you in a timeout program. And when I came out, they put me into one of the connections programs, which is the REACH program. Which is reentry assisted community housing. Yes. So that means you've got a roof over your head. You've got resources. You've got people around you to case management, case services. management services and all that. Yes. Great. So they provided me with all the tools I needed to um, go back home to my house and my husband and be successful. And I was there probably seven months um, doing outpatient therapy also through the connection. Um, I met several therapists there that um, I was very fond of that, that were, you know, very helpful. They made me feel like a human being. They cared about you know, my personal situation, what I was going through. And they actually assisted me in like moving ahead with, with my parole and going home to my house and, um, you know, getting a new job and, and, and I'm starting a a new business. So what's your business? We own a a small trucking and materials company. My husband and I. So a WBE, Women Business Enterprise? Yeah. That's That's what you need to get registered and get a pink truck and you'll be a millionaire. That would be great. I'm telling you. That's on on my bucket list. It's currently CNM Materials. That's Christine and Mike, my husband. Great. And um, what's your relationship like with your kids today? um, They're my best friends. Are they? Yes. They know what you've been through? They do. They got to be proud of you, Christine, because you've been clean now how long? Oh, wow. It's been almost two years now. Congratulations. It's fantastic. Yeah. And who do you, who do you give credit to for that besides yourself? Um, God <laughs> and, uh, definitely the connection. Um, they were instrumental in, in me staying clean because I don't think if I didn't have those women, um, in that program, 
that texted me every day and called to just ask me if I was okay, um, I wouldn't have made it. There was many times where my situation just felt so dire just because of, you know, I have special parole for some years and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm constantly monitored and I, and being monitored sometimes makes you feel like giving up mm-hmm. when you're doing all the right things. And but they cared. Yeah. So they cared when nobody else did. Right. So again, we want to give out the information. It's the connection org is the website, all kinds of programs and facilities and resources there. Or you can also call the um, toll free helpline which is 855-435-7955. Christine, I'm not done talking to you, but we're out of time. Can we do another show with oh, you? Oh, we can we definitely do, do a part show. two. And you inspire me to continue to fight the good fight for the agency and to keep continuing with our programs. Absolutely. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, if you could see her, folks. She's just... Uh, she's awesome. She is a beacon of light. So thanks to all of you again. We're going to do a Christine part two, so stay tuned for that. That will be coming up right here on WTIC News Talk 1080, and we'll see you again next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.